This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I just want to remind you of yesterday, okay? We talked about how we are in expectation, amen? The manifest presence of God. Someone say manifest presence of God. That's what we're believing for, okay? We're believing for the manifest presence of God. I'm tired of talking about the presence. I want to see the manifest presence of God, and I want to believe that over us. And we've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been seeking God's face, and I believe that we've come to a point where we believe that we just want to see God do the extraordinary. And yesterday we talked about this. We need a normalized breakthrough. We need to normalize healing. We need to normalize. It's not something that just happens once in a while. It's something that is, is going to be on the regular. Amen? I believe that in my heart. I believe freedom for your family. Pastor Randy's here. Pastor Randy's a good friend of mine, somebody that God brought into my life not too long ago, but he's been such a blessing, a, vo- a voice of wisdom, and um, I, I, I get to share uh, some, uh, some, some teams that we're a part of uh, uh, in this area, in the Collin County area, and I, I, I just... Thank God for you, Pastor Randy, and your wisdom and your leadership. Uh, there are people from his team and his church that are here as well, and I'm, I'm terrible at names, so I don't remember all of your names, but uh, I thank God for you guys, and uh, we're just going to allow God to minister through y'all. Uh, Pastor Randy, if you would come forward, sir, uh, I just want to say thank you for being here today, Pastor Randy, pastors of Powerful Church in Wiley, Texas. Hey, give him a hand, everybody. Give him a hand. He pastors a powerful church out there, and God's doing some amazing things through his ministry. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being over here and uh, ministering to us and uh, just minister to us like God is leading you to. All right, I'll bring you a podium. Good evening. Is anyone in this room happy? The joy of the Lord is your strength, so you might as well get happy. Amen. Amen. I got two of them saying amen. What's wrong with the rest of you? Several years ago, I got born again again. What I mean by that is this. I was a doctrinal and theological revivalist. I said I believed the scripture. I preached the scripture. And then I met Jesus, encountered him in a way I'd never encountered him before. Pastor in this church, we were five years old. I was having a conversation with the Lord. This was in 2006, beginning of 2006. I said, God, before I started doing this for you, I was doing all right. I could pay my bills, had money in the bank, had money in the safe. My wife called them the tide years because she didn't have to buy generic washing soap the tide years. And I told him, I said, Lord, I've, 
I have used up all my savings to plant this church. I can't even pay my bills now. The church can't pay its bills. And your scripture says that he who does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. So I'm gonna give you one more year to do something with this church or I'm gonna quit. And as clear as I'm talking to you today, he said, Randy, go ahead and quit because as long as you're in control of this church, I can't do anything with it. So I resigned as the pastor of the church. And then I made a stupid request. I said, God, I want you to ask Holy Spirit to come and pastor this church. And he did. And he started offending my mind to reveal my heart. You see, what we have is not a head problem. You already are trained so far beyond your obedience You've got the knowledge you need to do what God has called you to do if you know him and you have a working knowledge of the word. But there's something that keeps us from moving beyond the head and moving from the heart. Let me give you an example. How many of you believe Jesus died to get you to heaven? Raise your hand up. How many of you believe Jesus died to get you to heaven? Five, six, seven, eight, okay. Well, it's a trick question because Jesus didn't die to get you to heaven. He died to get heaven to earth. Had he died to get you to heaven, the best thing he could do is as soon as he knew you were saved is to kill you, take you out of this world. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the best thing to do if that was the reason he died? But he didn't die to get you to heaven. Are you alive? Uh, you know what? We'll get out of here quicker if you respond. <laughs> I need to say, hey, that's stupid or that's good. I don't care what you say. Uh, just feedback. I want to make sure you're not asleep. I know you've worked all day. Yeah, you're letting it soak in. That's what they always tell me, Yashish. <laughs> but Jesus did not die to get you to heaven. That is a fruit of the salvation message and the truth of salvation. And I'm glad. I'm glad that when I leave this mortal flesh, by the way, If you've come to Christ, you've already died and you'll not die again. You'll just transfer. And and when this mortal body gives way to my soul to return to my Lord, I will spend eternity with the Lord. But I don't know when he's coming back and I don't know when I'm dying. So until then, the message of salvation is this, on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus teach us to pray a prayer and then not fulfill it? Okay, I'm going to try that over here. Why would Jesus teach us to pray on earth as it is in heaven and then not empower it to be fulfilled? He, in fact, did. But what is it? What is it inside of us that keeps us from exploding on the scene in our jobs, at the grocery store, at Starbucks, in our homes, in our neighborhoods? What keeps us from being what Jesus said? You are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. And a person that has a light, has a candle, a lamp, he doesn't cover it up. Why are we covering it up? It's because we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been conned into salvation. 
Salvation has been made an event in the church in America rather than a process. And as soon as we get you to walk an aisle and pray a prayer and sign a card, we go on to the next. And we think because we've dealt with the spirit, we don't consider the body and the soul. But we are a triune being because we're made in the image of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are a body, we have a soul, and we are a spirit. But it's one. We're as one in body, soul, and spirit. Well, we should be as one in body, soul, and spirit as Father is to Son is to Holy Spirit. And there should be no war between the parts. But some, but religion, religion separates us into three parts. And depending on your taste of religion, there's even one out there that says it doesn't matter what you do in the body because you're spirit. It doesn't matter what you do in the body because the body's going to die and deteriorate. The problem is you can't do anything in the body that doesn't affect the soul. You can't do anything in the soul that doesn't affect the body and the spirit. You can't do anything in the spirit that doesn't affect the body and the soul. And when we split us into three parts, what are you going to minister to? You end up ministering to nothing. You end up teaching knowledge that doesn't bring life. <clears throat> this is salvation. It's to know God. And that word know, in the Greek, the word is gnosko. Everybody say that. That'll make you think you got a, a loogie coming up. Gnosko. Gnosko, it's a Greek word. And it means this, to know by encounter and experience. In the Old Testament, it's the word yada, which here's the best example of it. Adam, yada, Eve, and she conceived. Adam, Yadad, Eve. In other words, he had physical relations, sexual relations with Eve, and she produced a child. <clears throat> Every encounter with God is an invitation into Yada, intimacy that reproduces. Let me say that again. Because Here's what's happening, has been happening for years in, in our stream of churches. They come and they are moving from one church to the next because this worship team is better than that one. This preaching is better than that one. And they come in and they have an encounter with God. But every encounter God gives us, every time we encounter God or he encounters us, it's an invitation to come closer. Signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> they, are, they are a test for us as well as a trust for us. Here's the test. The supernatural sign and wonder is a reality. But, but it's a reality like that exit sign in case there's a fire in this building. <clears throat> and people that worship signs and wonders are people that when the building catches on fire, they'll go to that exit sign and go, oh, oh, 
There's my way out. Oh, praise God that I have a way out. I'm so thankful that God, is, and they'll even get a scripture. He will not put anything on me that he won't show me a way out. There's my way out. Ah, I'm burning up, but I got a way out, but I'm burning up. Ah, and I die because I stopped at a reality instead of going through it to a greater reality. And that is safety from the fire. And I'm not talking about hell. I'm talking about real fire. But many people, they take a piece of God and they begin to worship a piece of God. And it's usually an act of God that has blown their mind. We did that with tongues. We've done that with tongues. We made tongues an idol that many people worship at and even tell you that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. And that's not what the Bible teaches. It says you all get to speak in tongues because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Why do we do that? Because we're believing lies. We're believing lies. And some of them, they, although they probably all come from the devil, some of them are true to a certain respect, but there are greater truths that override them. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to take a big risk here. Can I risk this? By the way, what time do you want me to wrap up? Because it's going to be ministry time too. Just go until they start passing out. Because I don't have to be in my office until about nine in the morning. No, I won't go that late. How many of you have discovered that the word of God is not always the word of God? Oh, see, that was the risk. See, the hair standing up on the back of my neck because I'm looking. Don't stone me until I'm done. If I'm worthy of being stoned, take me out in the, in the parking lot afterwards. But listen, sometimes the Word of God, and I'm talking about the Logos, the Scriptura, the Graphe, is not the Word of God for the moment. Okay, let me, let me show you this in Scripture. Jesus comes out of the baptismal waters. And he is led into the wilderness by who? Do you know? By Holy Spirit himself. He's led into the wilderness by Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil. In other words, Holy Spirit put him right out there in the place where the devil could get to him. Why? To build capacity in him. He had, because that to be tempted of the devil is, is a trying. It's a trial for you. It is a tempering for you. you you've, got, you've got authority over him. Before Jesus left, Matthew 28, 19, he said this, go into all the world and make disciples of all men. Before he said that, before he commissioned us to go make disciples, he said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the enemy have? I'm sorry, sir. Would you verbalize that out loud? None. If Jesus has all authority, the enemy has none. Why are we so impressed with him? Because we see him working in the world. Why is he able to work in the world? Because of lies. It's the only tool he has. So Jesus is in the wilderness being tested by the devil. God will use the devil sometimes to temper you. How are you going to get out? Well, 
He said, hey, and and have you read the scripture? Have you read, at least seen the movie? Anybody seen the movie? (laughs) When he comes out of the wilderness, it said, Jesus fasted for 40 days. And after 40 days, he was hungry. 40 days, y'all just did a 21 day fast. Pastor shared that with me. How many of you were hungry after 40 minutes? Don't, don't, don't raise your hand, you pastor's heel. He'll see it. No. I, I, how? How could he be hungry after 40 days? Well, later we find out because he says to his disciples, I have meat that you do not know of. My food is to do the will of the Father. Why aren't we doing the will of the Father? Because the scripture says this in 1 John 4, that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. When he came out of the tempering, out of the wilderness, it said this. He went in being led by Holy Spirit. Actually, it says full of the Holy Spirit. He came out full of the power of the Holy Spirit. It was after that, in the next two chapters in the scripture, he does more miracles than most human beings have ever been a part of. And yet, Jesus didn't come to to show us what God could do. He came to show us. And now, if he did, it was pretty impressive. I mean, John says this. He did so much, so many miracles, there's not room enough to write them. Not enough ink to scribe it, not enough paper to put it on. But that's not what he came to show us, what God could do. He came to show us what fully devoted man can do. What man without distraction can do. Man fully surrendered to Father God could do. Because Jesus said, I don't say anything except what I hear Father saying. I don't do anything but what I see Father doing. So why don't we hear what Father is saying? Why don't we do what Father is doing? It's because of wounds and lies. You are not who you think you are. You are not who others think you are. You are not even who God thinks you are. But you are who you think God thinks you are. Let me say this again. You're not who you think you are. You're not who others think you are. Anybody glad about that? You're not even who God thinks you are. But you are who you think God thinks you are. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Do you know that's not what God thinks you are? Well, that's what the song says. Well, Jesus didn't write that song. That was written by someone who doesn't understand that they died on the cross. Their death on the cross was, Jesus' death on the cross was no more real than their death on the cross. Jesus didn't die for you. He died as you. When he died, you died. Go read Romans. It'll tell you. In the first first six chapters of Romans, there are 40 times it says you're dead. Dead, 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 dead. You are dead people walking. You have already died. That's why Jesus said, he who believes in me will never die. What? Because we died at the cross. Listen to this. His resurrection from the grave 
is no more real than your resurrection from the grave. I know this was part of me being born again again because I sang all those songs. But I couldn't find it in the scripture when I started reading it. When I started reading it, it started offending my mind. Not only did I ask Holy Spirit to pastor my church and he started offending me by bringing all sorts of weird people. And weird, my definition of weird was anybody who didn't believe exactly like me and that meant they were wrong. I, I, I got to tell you this story. I went to a place and I was sitting there and I was worshiping and this lady during worship, during the music, what, what's your name, dude? Reggie, Reggie, while the worship team is, is plying their trade and their anointing and gifting, here she comes down the aisle. She's doing everything but laying eggs. And me and the guy I was with, we elbow each other and say, oh, look at chicken lady. <laughs> and, and, then I, and then I felt convicted because I'd done that several times before and God corrected me harshly. So I stopped and I said, okay, so Holy Spirit, what's going on over here? And Holy Spirit didn't say a word. So I thought, oh, hey, this is not my farm, not my chicken. So I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to deal with it, okay? I just close my eyes and worship. And then this guy gets up to preach. And he starts preaching about David and his mighty men fighting, battling in the bean field until their swords claved to their hands. And they won the battle. And what it was was a warring enemy coming, and every year in the season, they would come through harvest time and steal all of the crops, leaving Israel with just what was left on the ground, and they were starving. And he said this, at some point, you've got to stand up in your field, draw a line in the field, and defend your beans and say, enemy, you're not stealing my beans anymore. And he said, and Father God said today that if you will name three areas where the enemy's been stealing your beans... He said, he's going to deal with that enemy and you'll never see that enemy again. So make a list. And I did. One, two, three. Then he said this. Now, after you've made your list, look up and look around and see if God highlights anyone. Now, I was, in, I was just in process. I was on a journey of being born again again. And so that wasn't language I knew. And, and so, Pastor, I was looking around to see if God was going to turn somebody fluorescent pink or fluorescent green or fluorescent yellow. And, and, and I'm having this debate in my head. And then he says this, if Holy Spirit highlights someone, then you go over and prophetically pray their list. Do not ask them what's on their list. You, Holy Spirit's going to tell you how to pray. And then I go into a debate and I say, this guy's not even scriptural. Doesn't he know the Bible says we're two or more agree on anything that's touching earth? And how can I come into agreement if I don't even know what's on their list? Doesn't that make sense? How can I come in agreement with them? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to an unbelieving believer. But to a believing believer, they look up and find someone to highlight. And as I'm having this doctrinal debate in my head with myself, because I would never be brave enough to bring it up in front of anyone, because I really wasn't wanting the truth. I was wanting to defend my belief system. Hands are laid on me from the back and my list is prayed. One two, three, and a fourth one is added that hit me in the deepest part of my heart. I just start weeping. And I turn around and you know who it was? It was Chicken Lady. That's right. It was Chicken Lady 
who Holy Spirit highlighted me. And she came over and prophetically prayed my list. And I started laughing out loud. People there probably thought I got the Toronto blessing. Y'all remember that? And laughing. And, and I was against that too. Oh no. Oh no. People shouldn't be laughing in church. That's irreverent. We want them weeping. We want them crying. Go, oh, God bless them. There's, oh, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. They're really, they're really going into repentance. But people laughing. And I start laughing. I said, God, you're hilarious. He said, yes, I am. And I'll do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, and I will always be right. I can't tell you all the stories. They, most of them are hilarious because God had to do really crazy stuff to offend my mind, to reveal my heart. And what I discovered is there were so many wounds and lies in my heart that I was defending with scripture and doctrine and theology that I was a doctrinal and theological revivalist, but I was a practical atheist because I knew what to preach. I knew what to pray for, but I never had the expectancy that God would do it now. But Matthew 10, 8, Jesus says this to his disciples. <clears throat> He's getting ready to send them out on a mission. Their first mission, by the way. They barely and probably don't really even know how to pray. You know, Jesus will send, he says, I send them as sheep among wolves. Why? He wants you to be simply devoted to the shepherd who has the power to overcome every wolf. And if you go alone, you'll get eaten up. Without him, you can do nothing. But I got great news for you. You're not without him. He, he lives inside of you. And in Matthew 14 and 15, he goes through this several times. And if you love me, I love you, you love me, and I love my father, and my father loves me, and we, if you love me, we will come and make our home in uh, you. So where's Jesus? He's in our heart. Where's Father God? A lot of people go, well, he's on his throne. Yeah, but you know where his throne is now? It's in us, the body of Christ. And is Holy, Holy Spirit one with Father and Jesus? Is Jesus one with Holy Spirit and Father? Is Holy, Jesus, Father one with Holy Spirit and Jesus? That means the triune counsel of God dwells in us. You have all authority and you also have all power resident in you. Why don't we access it? Because of wounds and lies. Oh, come on, preacher. You said that three times now. Yeah. Let me take you to Romans. I want you to actually open your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, pull up your phones or whatever, however you access the Scripture. I, I love people to have their own Bibles because you need to write notes in them. You need to understand stuff. As you're turning, I want to tell you this. Third John 2 says, I pray. John's praying for us. I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. He's saying this, your soul prosperity is connected to every part of your prosperity, of your spirit and your body. When your soul is out of whack, so is your spirit and your body because they're all one. 
They're connected. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit having a bad day? Wow, I don't, uh, I don't know if that's a shock that I would ask the question or you're having to think about that. You know? Can, let me say, do you think Father God's ever had a bad day? No, he's just good. He's just good. You think Jesus has ever had a bad day? Well, I don't know. That day in Gethsemane was a pretty bad day. Well, you got to know what he was really praying. He, he said, let this cup pass from me. That's an English translation that doesn't tell you what that means. The prayer is this. Don't let this physical body be crushed under the weight of the sin of the world. Why is he praying that? Because of his love for you. He saw the cross and he looked beyond it. And for the joy set before him, which was you, he endured the cross. But he's praying, oh, Father, I'm not sure you built this body strong enough to carry the weight of sin. So do not let this physical body not make it to the cross. Because Ashish is worth it. Sonia is worth it. Amy is worth it. Reggie is worth it. Anita is worth it. I, I'm doing it for them. That wasn't a bad day. It was one of his best days because he, show, he showed the world his love for everyone that day and saying, don't let this physical body die because this physical body must be sacrificed on the cross to fulfill prophecy. And angels came and ministered to him. What? Strengthening his body, strengthening him so that he could get up and walk down the Via Della Rosa beaten to death, but not dying yet. Your soul is important. How do you deal with the soul? Well, in Romans 12, beginning in verse 1, you know this. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves. That's already been said here tonight. Surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Worship isn't the song we sing. Worship is living your life as a sacrifice, living sacrifice unto him. Then everything you do becomes worship to him. Oh, I love music. I love to, to sing worship songs to the Lord. But sometimes, we, all the time, we need to recognize that everything we do is to be a worship to him. It's, it's to turn our eyes and our hearts to him. Some people think worship is for God. It's not for God. It's not for him. We give it to him, but the reason he set us up to worship is because what we worship, what we give our focus to, becomes what we worship. And what we worship is our God. And we become just like our God. And that's always been his plan. In Romans 8, it says... It's always been his plan to conform you to the image of his son. In other words, to be just like Jesus. Well, I ain't like Jesus yet. It's been an excuse for Christians not to act like him. Well, the truth is you are. You're just not acting like it. Why? Because of wounds and lies. Now look at Romans 12. 
Verse two, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. You know what the cancel culture is all about? It is ideals and opinions of the culture around you. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I think Paul looked into our days and said, hey, hey, church of the 21st century, ecclesia, those who Jesus is building into a church that hell can't stop, 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 stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed my Holy Spirit, through a total reformation of how you think. <clears throat> that word transformation there, be transformed, is the same word used on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured. You see, right here in the mind is where you need a transfiguration like Jesus got on the Mount of Transfiguration. When our thinking comes into line with God, we begin to think with God to the place that ultimately we begin to think like God. To the place that one day you'll say, oh, wow, that thought was crazy amazing. Was God, was that mine or was that yours? And he'll say, yes. Yes. Because we've been hanging out so much. You're now thinking like I think. We've been hanging out so much. You have my heart. You have my heart now. Why do you think you walk into Starbucks and you start weeping because of the lost generation that's standing before you? You go into your Jerusalem and you weep because they look like sheep without a shepherd. Are y'all hearing that music too? Oh, I didn't see you go up there. Oh, oh, I thought Jesus was about to call me home. <laughs> One of my bucket list things is that I want to be, I want to die when I'm preaching because I want to freak the body out one more time. I just, I just, boom. that's where I want to die. But I didn't think it'd be tonight, but I thought I was about to hear angels singing. <laughs> See, most people do not live in reality. They live in a perception of reality. But perception is built on belief systems, knowledge, and experiences. And if our belief systems have been developed in dysfunctional families, have you ever met someone that you thought, man, they were raised by wolves? You know why? Yeah, they would act that way? Because they were. They didn't have parents to love them and to protect them. They didn't have a father to give them identity. They didn't have a father to protect them and provide for them. They didn't have a mom who would come along and comfort them and nurture them and teach them. They didn't have, they didn't have friends, a brother, a sibling, or friends that would come around and say, hey, I, I, I don't know exactly what's going on, dude, but I'm with you. 
I don't really know what to say, but I'm with you. And yet, Father God is the one who gives identity. And so the way our Father raised us is the way we perceive Father God. That's why the world is so angry with God. You know, it's funny, you hear atheists, they're so angry with a God they don't even believe in. They know he exists. There's no such thing as an atheist. It's someone who has a perception, but that perception isn't reality. It may be the reality they're living in, but there's a greater reality, just like that door is a greater reality than the exit sign. There is, a, there is this reality in the supernatural. It is in, in, in when what we do in the physical affects the supernatural. I have a ministry that I train people in called Sozo. I'll spend the rest of my life training people in these tools because I got free through them and I'm still maintaining freedom and, and getting more freedom. This is so important because... You know, I, I believe in prophetic deliverance. I believe in prophetic deliverance where I declare your freedom and you encounter freedom. And then I see what happens many times is afterwards those people keep coming back to that deliverer to get more prophetic deliverance. There's something wrong with that system. And I'm not saying there's no such thing. I'm saying if you're going to do prophetic deliverance, you do it with all, for, all the way for God. But those that you get delivered, you need to teach them how to stay delivered. Because that's what we do in Sozo. We teach you tools how to keep free. Once you get free, we teach you how to stay free. Because you're the one that has to live your life. I can't live your life. But because of wounds and lies, we don't even approach the Father. Let me, let me tell you another part of my story. I, was, I, I got up and I preached and I'm a great communicator. And uh, I am also words of affirmation. If you don't give them my hat, I'll just give them to myself. <clears throat> I got up and preached an amazing message on Ephesians 3.20. I even did the huzz. Now, y'all may not know what the huzz are, but it's like this. Bless God. Huh? I tell you, huh? he is a God huh? who is able to do exceedingly uh, above all that you can ask, which is your prayer life, or think which is your imagination, huh? according to the power that's in you. And I'm preaching in a congregation going, yeah, woo, get it, preacher. Woo, ha, woo. And I walked off the platform going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I got in my car and I had my normal conversation with the Lord. Sometimes I walk off the stage going, God, where were you? This day I walked off going, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I, you probably do it every Sunday. <laughs> I didn't. This Sunday I got in my car and I said, God, wow, you were there. He said, I know I didn't leave after the first point, Randy. It was good. You did good, son. I said, I know. Did you see the people? They were getting it. He said, I know they were. It was really good preaching, boy. It's just sad you don't really believe that scripture. And I said, oh, <laughs> I do. He goes, no, you don't. I said, I do too. He goes, no, you don't. I said, I do too. Anybody in here ever argued with God? Raise your hand if you've ever argued with God. Rest of you are liars. We'll break that spirit off of you. And I realized because I'd already started learning Sozo, I went, oh God, okay. And by the way, that's how you find wounds and lies because they become lenses that you view all of life through. And I could preach it, but it wasn't mine. I said, okay, God, what's the line believing? Yeah, believe that I'll put 
than anything else. You're going to have to go out and learn. And I said, well, but God, that's a good work ethic. And he said, yeah, it's a good work ethic, son, for an orphan or a slave. But a son doesn't work for his inheritance. Somebody had to die to give you that inheritance, and he already has. And you've already received it. Oh. So I said, well, God, take me to the place where I learned that lie. And he put me on the lake, Buffalo Springs Lake, just outside of Lubbock, Texas, where we used to go when I was a kid. And my dad's in a boat. And I can, I can see the boat to this day. It was a white and golden uh, boat with a gold and white Johnson 60 horse engine on it. And dad's driving the boat and I'm on the rope with two skis. And my dad's pulling, trying to pull me up on skis. It looks more like he's trying to drown a frog on a rope. Because I had, I know this would be hard to see, I, I know it'd be, but go with me, this is true. When I was young, I was overweight, no upper body strength. And I, I know this Adonis figure is confusing you right now. But the point is, I couldn't pull myself up on two skis. And I'm like, God, what does that have to do with this situation? And he said, Randy, you believe your dad bought that cheaper boat to teach you a lesson. That if you would lose weight and work out, you'd be a better athlete like your brother. Now let me tell you, there's a lot of wounds and lies in there. But can I tell you something? My dad didn't think that way. And as an adult, I knew that. But when it was happening, I was wounded because when dad drug me into the boat, got me up in the boat, he didn't look at me and say, son, you'll get it next time. You're my son. You can do this. And by the way, if you don't ever ski, you're still my son. And when I was wounded because I was ashamed, I couldn't be more like my big brother and I couldn't please my dad. I spent the rest of my life into adulthood trying to get my dad to be pleased with my lifestyle. Why? Because I was looking for a father to give me identity. And then I'm called into ministry. Guess what I do in ministry? I am a dreamer and God gives me these dreams. He gives me these visions. I, not, not a physical vision, but I can see them in my mind's eye. And then I go to start working it and I get to the place where I, I hear this voice that says, now, I'll put food in your stomach. I'll put clothes on your back. But this you're going to have to earn, son. And I sabotage the success of God's vision. <clears throat> How many of you believe the word of God is true? How many of you believe it's inspired of God? How many of you think we should obey the commands in the word? Okay, let's test that. Because here's how you find wounds and lies. It's finding in the scripture you don't believe. Matthew 10, 8. 10, 7 and 8. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, As you go, preach the kingdom. No, he said, I'm sending you out to preach the kingdom and tell them the kingdom is at hand. And as you go, everybody say, as you go. You know what that means in the original language? It means as you go. If you're going, that's what it means. As you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give freely you have received, freely give. 
You say, well, I don't have a healing ministry. Right there, Jesus says you do. He confirms it with your commission. And teach them everything I've taught you. What did he teach them? Everywhere you're going, if you see someone sick, you heal them. Well, what if they don't get healed when I pray? Well, the breakdown isn't on God's side. And don't blame them their faith. Go back to God and say, I did what you said and they didn't get healed. What, what needs to happen in me? He said, okay, let's go to the wilderness. Let's build some more capacity so you can carry the anointing. Oh, we don't like that wilderness, God. Well, son, if you don't let me, daughter, if you don't let me temper you, you won't be able to stand up under the weight of the anointing. Do you know that's actually one of the definitions of the kabod of God, the anointing of God, the weight the weight. So what do you do? How do you find them? Well, as you go, heal the sick. Here's the way people read that verse. As you go, freely I've received, freely I'll give. And then they encounter a healing. Oh, as you go, heal the sick. Freely you have received, freely give. And then I have a friend. I have friends up in, up in Northern California that raised up a raising the dead team. And they got connected to the morgue. And they got ability to go into the morgue and started raising the dead. You hear that and you go, oh, as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. Why? Because there are wounds and lies that keep us from believing the truth. They're skewed because our lenses are off. Our perception is off. So what has to happen in us first? We've got to deal with the soul. Here's how you do it. I want you to bow your heads. Because <clears throat> nearly everyone in here raised their hands. You want to obey the Lord. And yet, are you obeying these words? And, and you could read, as you read through the scriptures, funny how we're reading it. And we get to one we don't believe. We read real fast through it so the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us to stop and deal with it. He's wanting to reveal it, to heal it. God is not a punishing God. He's not a punisher. Jesus was punished so you don't have to be punished. He is a lover. Now, he's to be feared, but he is a lover. He's a lover. He's the best dad. He is a perfect father. And he wants to tell you who you are. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he is empowering you. He's empowering you. If you change the way you're thinking, you read on in that verse in Romans, it says this, then you will know what is pleasing to him. You will know his perfect will. You'll be empowered to do his perfect will. So with your heads bowed, I just want you to ask Jesus this. I want you to ask, Jesus, say this out loud. Jesus, is there a lie I'm believing about you? First thing that comes to you, that's it. How many of you heard yes? You heard a yes? Anyone? Anyone brave enough? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? All right. All right. Now, now what I want you to say is, Jesus, what is the lie I'm believing about you? How many of you heard him say something? He told you what it is. Yeah? Anybody else? 
You know, one of the biggest challenges is getting past the thought that he doesn't speak to you. You can't be called the word of God and not be speaking. And he's the word. He's continuously speaking to us. But we don't know his voice. I mean, if he walked in this room right now, would you recognize him? Would you want him to stay? Or would you reason him, think him away? He's here right now. Now, those of you that heard what the lie was, I want you to say this. Jesus, say it out loud. Jesus, who do I need to forgive? You may know the person. You may get a name. You may see a picture. How many of you found he showed you who you need to forgive? Anybody? Raise your hand. I need to see. Okay. I want you to say this. Jesus, I choose to forgive this one for the harm they did to me. And I let them off the hook. I release them from what they owe me. And I break partnership with that lie and then repeat the lie that he said you were believing. I break the partnership with it. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus, what's the truth? Let him give you that truth. Now, what I want you to do with that truth, I want you to declare that truth. Say, Jesus, I declare the truth and say what he told you. Now, everybody look at me. I'm going to tell you one more story and then I'm going to ask the team to come. Matter of fact, team, come on up and begin to see what the Lord wants you to do right now. We're going to be quick with this. They're going to release possibly prophetic words for you or, or uh, word of knowledge for healing or anything. I've, I've released them to do. I trust these people. I know them to be men, a man and women of God. But this, this girl right here is my last daughter, my favorite daughter. I have three. She's my favorite. When she was a little girl, she's, we didn't know it then because we didn't even know how to spell prophetic, but she was prophetic from the womb. She knew people. She knew them so well that when we were planting the church, pastor, uh, she would know whether they were good or evil. And it was so proven to us that we'd say, hey, you and Sonia come to our church. i say, hey, Alicia, come and meet Ashish and Sonia. And she'd go, hi, I'm Alicia. And you say, hi, I'm Ashish, I'm Sonia. And we'd talk a little bit and say, so glad you guys came. And you'd walk away and I'd say, Alicia, what do you think? What do you think? And it's because she nailed it every time because there was something inside her. And she's always been strong. And she was uh, in preschool. She goes to kindergarten and we knew we were going to get a call from the teacher. We just didn't know how quick it was going to happen. But days into school, the teacher calls and says, Mr. and Mrs. Hill, uh, have you noticed that Alicia doesn't color inside the lines? And we're, we're laughing. We're like, yeah, 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 that's her character. And she always knows that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, she can't color inside the lines. And when she's looking at the alphabet on large eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper, she has to bring it real close to her face. And sometimes she still can't ascertain what the letter is. Have you had her eyes checked? We said, no. So we took her to, uh, that's the royal we. My wife took her to the doctor and came in and examined her. And then left the room, came in and brought another doctor. 
they too left and came in and brought a third doctor. Before it was over, seven doctors had examined Alicia's eyes. And what we discovered is she was almost legally blind in one eye, and the other one was very, very uh, bad vision. We felt horrible, but we were in ministry at that time, and we understood what uh, Peter and John meant when they found the blind men by the temple and said, silver and gold have we none. You'll get that in about Wednesday. That's just tomorrow. I'll give you till Friday to get it. We didn't have the money to pay for the thinner lenses. So what are my daughter's eyes going to look like with those thick glasses? What are the kids going to call her at school? They're going to call her bug eyes, four eyes for sure, Coke bottle eyes, Coke bottle glasses, all sorts of things. And as a dad, I kind of like to joke around, so I knew I had to train my mind, my thinking. So I began to say, because I know she's going to run in, jump in my lap and say, Daddy, what do you think of my new glasses? So I started saying out loud, and by the way, this is one of the ways you change the way you're thinking. As you begin to speak the truth. <clears throat> Once you've dealt with the wounds and lies, and by the way, we can help you with that. We have a sozo ministry. I encourage you to come talk to your pastor and you come and get a sozo. Oh, baby, I love you so much. You're the most beautiful little girl in the world. I love your glasses. I love that you're going to be able to see. <laughs> okay, do it again. Oh, baby, you're the most beautiful little girl in the world. I love your glasses. I love that you're going to be able to see. Okay. Oh, baby. And I just saying it over and over to train my brain to respond correctly as a father who gives identity. And that day happened. Her mom and her went and got her glasses. She runs in the house. I'm sitting in my chair. She runs up and jumps up in my life and says, Daddy, what do you think of my glasses? And I go, oh, baby. And I don't even get any of it out. And she goes, Daddy, you have holes in your face. You know what I realized? It's the first time she'd ever seen her father face to face. All these years, her perception had been skewed by the lenses. I just want to challenge you. Ask God what I ask Him in that born again, again time. God, I want you to take every doctrine and every theology I've ever held and I want you to challenge it. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what you're saying. I want to be saying what you're saying and doing what you're doing. And Holy Spirit will come in and he'll begin to... Now, now you, you be wiser than I. Say, Holy Spirit, take 10% of the theologies and doctrines that I hold and challenge that 10%. Let's work through it 10% at a time. Let's do a tithe. Let's just do a tithe of it. And, and get to it eventually, but let's just do the biggest ones first. And he'll come in and he'll honor that prayer. And what'll happen is he'll begin to reveal stuff and you'll begin to surrender it to him and forgive those that gave it to you. And now, now what's the truth, Jesus? What's the truth, Father? What's the truth, Holy Spirit? And it's the truth that you encounter and experience that sets you free. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, is there anyone here named John? No? Okay. Yeah, your name's John? Okay. So this, this evening, as I was just uh, eating dinner before I came, I just felt like the Lord said there was someone named John that was coming. And what I felt like he was saying is, come up here. 
because God gave John this revelation and he invited him to come up to a new level. And so I just think, I just believe that God is calling you into a new season of coming up here, coming up and getting his perspective on things to where you don't get hung up on what you actually see in the physical, but you can actually see in the spirit realm. You can see what God is doing and you can partner with him. And I think he's going to show you things that are just going to completely blow your mind. And I think he's going to give you strategies, not only for you, not only for your family, but for those around you. And I just think it's going to like, I'd say don't be surprised when things just start popping into your brain or popping into your heart. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. When it doesn't make sense, it's usually the Lord. And just really lean into it. Can I just pray that over you? Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, okay. And I think it will more. Like, I don't know if it, I feel like it's coming. It's here and it's coming. So God, right now, I just thank you for John. God, I thank you that you are calling him to another level. You're calling him to come up here, come up higher, to leave what he has known for something greater. And God, that you are going to show him things, not only for him, but for those around him to go to a new level with you. God, you're calling him to this level of intimacy that he's never experienced before. And I just feel like he's giving you, he's giving you a new foundation to where it's something that isn't just for you, but for your family and for those around you that they can stand on your foundation because it is so secure. And so we just release that over you right now. What I see is um, for Pastor, I um, I just see how big your heart is. Um, that he's, you just have a beautiful heart. That it's so loving and so caring, and you just you carry so much. And um, I just want to pray over you and bless you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for Hashish. I thank you for his ministry here. I thank you so much for him, Lord. That he's leading these people to you, Father. That you you adore him. Your heart swells up over him, Father, and that you will just bless him and guide him through his journey, Lord. I just give him more. Just anoint him more, Father. Just give him more. Send him more, Lord. Thank you. And to that, I want to add this. God is releasing over you and blooming a hundred-year vision that this church is going to be a generational church one that recognizes that there's no junior Holy Spirit, but that our children are as powerful as the adults, and that you're gonna to begin to make decisions, and this house is gonna be led into making decisions based on the third and fourth generation, because the decisions you're making are affecting them, and that is the inheritance you're passing, and you will pass them an inheritance that will be so large that they will complete dreams and visions that, you, that will go beyond what you have dreamed and visioned. They will be essential to fulfilling this vision that God has placed here in Plano, and they will go beyond because God is ever expanding that. I just release a freedom over you. A freedom. Revelation in the name of Jesus that goes beyond anything you've been taught in the time you were in seminary in the time you were in training of knowledge, that there will be encounter, intense encounters 
that will bring revelation and you will begin to speak not words you have studied, but new words coming straight from heaven that your voice will be the voice of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to speak a word over you guys. The Lord said you guys have been through it. And there's been ups and downs, but you've stuck together. And he says, you're about to be blessed. God's going to return to you sevenfold what the enemy has taken away. And it's going to be a testimony to this church, this body, as a, as a, a point of a revival, an awakening. They're going to see what God's doing in your life. And they're going to celebrate because of it. Father, I just ask that you just minister to this family, Lord. Husband, wife, kids, all of them, Lord. Lord, pour out your spirit into this family. Bring home those that need to come home. Heal any wounds, Lord. We just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I command you in the name of Jesus, stand up and lead this house in the things of God. You are not below, you are above. Come up higher, come up higher, come up higher. You are above. You're not the tail, you're the head. Rise up and serve. Rise up and serve from under them just like Jesus. He got lower and lower and lower from his high place. Now rise up and let God pour into your heart the strength because manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. You become more like Christ. You become the man she loves. You'll become the father your kids will respect. You become the father that is moving in power. God is calling you up. In fact, this is for all the men in this house. It's time to stand up and be fathers, loving fathers that lead this house, that lead this house that God has given you and this house that God has given the whole family. Not to put women down, but to raise them up to their higher level so that you can be the men of God he has called you to be. You are giants. You are giants because of who you serve. And no one will be able to stand before you when you stand in the authority of Christ and move in obedience to his word. What Not only what he has said, but what he is saying right now. In Jesus' name, I bless you, fathers and mothers, with ears to hear his voice and the heart to respond. Spiritual gift of self-control is the ability to respond. It's your responsibility to move in the ability to respond. So rise up, fathers. During the service tonight, um, my arm was hurting. and It's not my pain. I asked... Um, God, if it was my pain or if it was someone else's, and I feel like it's somebody else. Does anybody here have any pain in their left arm? It's just kind of a radiating pain. Um, kind of up in the shoulder area. Anybody? Anybody else? Why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up?
Sir, what is your name? Chris? <clears throat> you are a giant, but you're a gentle giant. And the Lord loves your heart. Gosh, he, uh, you know, sometimes I get around some people and I begin to feel Father's pride. You know how you say as a dad, buttons are popping off your shirt. If Father God was wearing a shirt, he'd be popping his buttons off over you, man. He is so pleased with you. He is so pleased with you. You're a son in whom he's well pleased. He's saying, son, I'm waiting for you to come closer. Come closer. Don't worry about your past. I took care of the past. I took care of the past when I sent Jesus to die on a cross and he took care of everything in your past. It was still in his future, but it's in your past and you can let it go. Does that mean anything to you? Something's been holding you back and he just wants to come in and wash your mind. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come to this place where thought patterns are formed. And would you edit out what has been, Chris, is normal? Just edit it out and replace it with your normalcy, the mind of Christ. It's time for you to step out in faith on the words that he's already spoken to you, son. I hear him saying, I've been hesitant to speak another word for I'm waiting you to step out in the one I've already given you. And not only have I given it to you, but I have confirmed it through others. You've been hesitant because you, you don't think your past can go through that. And the Lord says, you don't have a past, son. I took it and I threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. That which has weighed you down, you are loosed from now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Um, you on the back row with a blue polka dotted shirt. What's your name? Gia? Bria. Would you stand up? So as I was um, just standing up here, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you he sees you. And he really sees you. There's, um, in Genesis, Hagar gets kicked out of Abraham's family and she's running with Ishmael. And... She lays him down and goes far off because she is scared they're going to die. And the angel of the Lord comes. And when he comes, he says, he, he comes and rescues them. And then she says, you're the God who sees me. And I just see God saying this over you. And like, I heard it tons. I see you. I see you. And he hasn't forgotten the promises he's given to you. He knows them. He knows them and he's ready. He's excited for these promises to come to pass. And I just see him just coming really close to where he sees you, but you also get to see him. And so Papa, right now, I just release that over her right now. She's your favorite. She's your favorite that there is nothing about her that you don't see. And I just thank you, God, that there's going to be nothing about you that she can't see. I just hear him calling you closer, that you're going to get to see him for who he really is. And so, God, right now, we just brush off anything that she's been seeing on you that doesn't belong to you. 
God, things that, that her culture or religion or whatever has taught her about you that isn't the truth, that all of that would be brushed off and that she would see you, Jesus, for who you really are. And God, that you, she would experience your love at a new level because he did it all for you. And he's so happy with you. He's not disappointed. He is not disappointed in you. He is so happy with you. He just released that over you. Stay here, team. Pastor. Church, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to open up the floor for just a time of ministry. And I believe in my heart that the Holy Spirit is moving through this place. There's the prophetic move. There is a move of deliverance. I know some chains are going to be broken. And you know what you're praying for. And we're going to do exactly what we did yesterday. I'm going to, I'm going to excuse. I'm going to bless people that need to leave. If you need to leave, you're welcome to leave. But here's my prayer. You're here for a reason. And I pray that you will not leave till you get ministered to. So here's what I've requested Pastor Randy and his team to do. Just stay in the front. They'll, they'll probably be in different parts of the altar here. And if you just feel like you need to come forward and just worship for some time or just worship where you are and then just come forward, get a word from them or just be ministered to, uh, just do that. Do that. Just do that. Tell the Lord exactly what you want in your heart and what you're praying for. I, I believe in my heart, he's not going to disappoint. He's not going to disappoint. I came here and I said, Lord, speak to me. And he did. He did. I thank God for speaking to me. And I believe in my heart that he will speak to you, that, that he will minister to you. It can be a sickness in your body. It can be uh, depressive thoughts. It could be emotional stuff, hearts, wounds, like Pastor was speaking to us about. But the Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. Come on. And I believe in my heart that there's healing in this place, emotional and physical. So I'm going to ask Reggie and Anita to just continue leading us in a time of worship. And as they're just leading at the background, this, as this prophetic worship is, is going to be released in this place. Just feel free this morning, just to this evening, just to worship. If you just need to stand there and worship, sit there and worship, sit there and worship. But if, if, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you and saying, go, go get a release, go get a breakthrough, don't sit there. I beg you, don't sit there. Don't leave. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't disobey. Don't come back tomorrow and say, Pastor, I wanted to come, but I was scared. No, please. I'm asking you to obey. That's what Pastor Randy was telling us to do. Why hold back? If God has given us the power, come on, seize that today. I believe that there is a, there is a powerful, powerful anointing in this place. Just, just take hold of that. Tune out the distractions. Take a hold of that. Thank you, Lord, for moving. And like I said, if, if you need to leave, we understand. You're, you're welcome to go. I'm not going to come back again and pray and close. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue in the time of worship. And when you feel at peace in your heart that you have received what you came here for, you're welcome to leave. We're going to continue worship throughout this week till Saturday. So, so I believe there are some people that were healed yesterday that received their deliverance yesterday. There are some people that's going to be free and, and receive their deliverance and healing and a prophetic word today. And it's going to continue through this week. But I believe in my heart, just continue pressing in till you feel in your heart. I'm, I'm 
this, this is what I prayed for. This is what I came for. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I believe that God has done a work in my heart. Let's worship God for some time.
Hey! 